Hello and welcome to Thinking Religion. I'm Thomas Whitley. Five, four, three, two. I'm Sam Harrelson. <laughs> Countdown for you today. No, I know. I it's not for me, Thomas. I know. It's for the listeners. I know. Speaking of the listeners, uh, I was in Chicago this past weekend for naps. You know, like we just a bunch we of people got together and took some naps. No, it's the North American Patristic Society, and um, ran into a couple of uh, academics there that told me that they listen to the show and like actually like it. So, you know, it's this weird <laughs> thing that happens. Like, yeah, okay, you would hope like we do this because we hope people like it, right? It was this weird thing that happens when you kind of realize at a certain point that people know you, right? Like either they hear your show or they read things you write. And so people, I mean, these are people that I knew, but people that you don't know then are like, hey, I read this thing you wrote and I liked it or I hated it or whatever, you know? Um, it just kind of changes things because it's really easy to feel rather disconnected. I mean, we try pretty hard on the show to be connected to our listeners, right? Um, but it's still pretty easy to get this kind of disconnected, like I'm just talking into a microphone and then something happens with it, but I don't ever know what happens with it afterwards, you know? It's so strange. I, I, I remember, that, I mean, you know, I used to blog about tech stuff and I got a pretty good following on, on a little blog I did and then I ended up selling that blog for some stupid reason. Um but like in 2006, 2007, and I was at an award show for it uh, out in California, and you know, it was the first time I'd, I'd been in public after really writing this thing for almost a year, and I was sitting at the hotel bar, and people were coming up to me saying, are, are you Sam Harrelson who writes that blog? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. And they're like, can we buy you a drink? And I was like, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> All right. But it was it was such a, you know, and like people were coming up and hugging me and saying, oh, I love the way you wrote, or God, why'd you write that? And it was, it's so strange. And it, it changes, in some sense, the way you do things sometimes, you know, and you really have to pull back and say, no, no, keep your voice and do what people like. Um not, not what you think they're going to like or make you, you know, even more of a whatever. Um, poor Jesus, you know, can you imagine what he went through? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it's, I don't it's know. very have strange. We, have we seen the numbers? Have we seen the numbers, right? Can we can we figure out <laughs> how to only track 12 people, yeah. <laughs> right. right. What about, what about you, know, um, you know, stay-at-home moms in the Galilee age 14 to 27 that wasn't his demographic thomas he was going after the uh the, the blue collar uh deadliest catch guys yeah yeah you know who watched the, the discovery channel um <laughs> yeah i mean that, that that is so strange but but thank you for those of you who listen to the show and and please you know as we always say don't hesitate to you know, reach out on email or, or especially Twitter. I mean, we have fun conversations like we did this past weekend with, with people who listen to the show. And it's, uh, it's always a kind of a nice little like, oh, wow, you know, we're not just doing this and, uh, and it, it, talking into the ether. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, we are doing that, but people are listening, right? Like we're staring into the abyss and the abyss is staring back at us. Well, I'm staring at, you know, two monitors and an iPad. And right. The abyss. Three. <laughs> yeah, right. But, you know, like like we said when we started doing this way back in, what, 2011, that we were having interesting conversations like we did here in the pre-show for 30 minutes about Paul and the, <laughs> the Jerusalem church. Yeah. Uh, and we thought, maybe we should record these just for our own posterity. And, you know, it's kind of freaky, but, but cool to think that there are people that want to hear us ramble on, sing our song. Led Zeppelin. Yeah, right. No? Yeah. Yeah, no, I'm sorry. You, you listen to Justin Timberlake. 
Hey, sometimes, sometimes, <laughs> uh, and I have absolutely no shame in my tastes. Um, yeah, Naps was good. It was God horrible getting there, but like, I, oh yeah, you, you. So you're suffering through the uh, the summer of discontent with the TSA. Okay, but the TSA wasn't actually my problem, right? So my first flight got canceled, and they put me on another flight that wasn't nonstop going through another city, which was fine, except we sat on the runway for an hour, so I missed my connecting flight. Um, and then, so got there on the first day much later than I had anticipated, missed a lot of the things I wanted to go to. That's fine. Um, had a had had a lunch planned with a uh, listener, um, but had to postpone that, but we got drinks later. So, um, there you go. But yeah, so that was kind of horrible. And then I had been up since it was a really early flight. I'd, uh, flew out of Jacksonville. So I'd been up since, um, three thirty, that morning, Eastern time, which is like two forty-five central. Cause it's Chicago's in central time zone. And then went to bed at like midnight. So really long day. And I'm not nearly as young as I used to be, but then coming back, we we're like, okay, we got to, it was a colleague of mine. We were traveling back together. We got to get to the airport, you know, early because lines are bad. And like Chicago is one of the worst places right now. So we got there significantly earlier than we needed to, but just to be safe. And it took me, I'm not lying, five minutes to go through security. <laughs> it's, it's always such a hit or miss. <laughs> but then you have plenty of time to sit at the bar and enjoy yeah, and we did And we did that. You know, we did plenty of that. And then I got some work done uh, sitting there. But yeah, so the TSA did actually not not uh, hurt my travel at all. It was all these other factors. But but no, NAPS was, NAPS was good. It's always kind of, you know, these conferences are reinvigorating. Well, let me ask you before we, we go into the details. When you were at the hotel, or no, 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 when you were at the airport and you, you know, had taken all day and, and you were missing things and you wanted just to get to the conference, did you take a taxi or did you take Uber? No, I took the train. You took the train, okay. Yeah. Well, and Chicago has good trains, right? Yeah. From Midway or? From O'Hare, or? yeah. I O'Hare? Mean, oh, like wow. the yeah. line, like the blue line runs into O'Hare. So, like, so right. to walk out there. I mean, yeah, it takes what? It took me about an hour to get from the airport to the hotel. Um, but yeah, it also cost me two fifty, as opposed well, to always look at me. A cab yeah, people or, always look at me strange. Um, when I, when I fly into New York, I, if I have a meeting downtown, typically I'll, I'll fly into JFK and you can take, I forgot the, the train, but there's a train that goes straight to JFK and yeah, it's like two fifty or three bucks or something. Right. And it, yeah, it's like a 45 minute ride and it gets a little crazy when you get, you know, to the Brooklyn and Queens, but it's a fun ride and you, you know, you're flying into New York or whatever. And I've had companies that send out drivers and stuff and it, you know, it's like $150 charge to go right. from, you know, LaGuardia or, or JFK. And I'm like, no, just take the train. Let's it's take fun. The train. That's right. I mean, this is like the whole point of public mass public transportation, right? Yeah. So any city that I, has good mass public transportation <laughs> when I'm there, that's what I do because I just, one, I believe in it from a transportation standpoint. So my, you know, my planner friends, my transportation specialists will uh, be happy about that. But, um, but yeah, I know it's just so much cheaper and like you can get work done, you know, while you're riding and, yeah, I mean, it just doesn't make any sense. Why am I going to pay 40 or 50 bucks for an Uber into yeah. downtown Chicago when I can take the train and, you know, gather my thoughts and everything before I get there? So, yeah, I don't know. So, yeah, I took the train. Did not take a cab or Uber. 
I, yeah. And actually, I, I guess I should. Um, this is an appropriate time for a confession, right? Um, I have never taken an Uber. Are you serious? Yeah, never. They actually and they you're, weren't you're a millennial until I don't know the past six months or a year. Um, oh, really? But maybe I mean. Maybe a little bit more in New York, but they haven't been in Tallahassee that long, kind of in the grand hmm. scheme of Uber's timeline. Um, and yeah, there's just like been no reason for me to. Nah, I love Uber. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it's, why it's am I terrible. gonna? I mean, I have a car, right? So it's different. Like if you live in a city and you don't have a car, all right. Makes so, sense, so, so what, but yeah, here, here's the thing. Uh, the other night we had a offer for a babysitter, you know, because we have a six month old. Yeah. And I thought, hey, we can go get some drinks, go downtown. But then it's like, well, by the time we drive downtown, get parking, downtown Columbia, South Carolina, you know, the big metropolitan area right. that we are. There's not great downtown parking, though, in Columbia. <laughs> but it's not Even great downtown, downtown park. Well, the places you want to go, there's right. not. So, we, you know, we were thinking of going to Five Points and the Vista, and we ended up like at a Buffalo's, right? Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> They have tall course light. Of course. Of course. <laughs> right. Let's see. The Vista or... Buddy, I'm oh, going to take you out to the fanciest place in town. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, right. So, the Vista's there. Five points, you know. Anyway, so, I was thinking the whole way while I'm driving to Buffalo's two minutes from our home here. Uh, don't be creepy. Why don't we just get an Uber and, you know, pay 10 bucks and, and go downtown? And that way we can both enjoy and then right. take an Uber right. back. Yeah. And I have this little thing called an automatic uh, that you plug into your car's right. data port, and it, it gives you like the report on gas. And the other day, I had a meeting downtown. This is after we went out, and I was kind of driving along, and I thought, oh well, when I get home, let me see how much money it costs to get you know from our home to that point where we would have taken an Uber. It was like four, five dollars. So you know, just in gas. Yeah. So just in gas. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. It would have been completely worth it to take an Uber and, you know, go have drinks at a nice, wanky place and right. then take an Uber back. Yeah. So uh, there, I was listening to a, another podcast and it has a guy who uh, works for GV, which is now or what used to be Google Ventures. They've rebranded with the whole Alphabet takeover right. or Alphabet rebranding. So uh, he, uh, GV is a major investor in Uber. And right. he was saying how this the the generation of kids being born now could be considered the uh, Uber boomers because so many parents are going out and doing this, right. and you know they're having accident accidental third, fourth, fifth kids, right. and you know both parents are able to go out and drink, and it's not like oh the husband has to stay sober, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so I thought that was no, that's hilarious. great. No, and I I mean I know a ton of people here, like even in Tallahassee, who Uber all the time just so they can go out and not have to worry about driving, you know, they mm -hmm. can have a few drinks and, you know, still be responsible, which is great. But, you know, to me, it's also kind of like, yeah, this is what cabs have been doing for 50 years. So, yeah, the I don't cabs know. Are expensive, so. Yeah, but I don't think they're that much more. I mean, I don't think they're any more expensive on general and, you know, on, you know, in general than an Uber is. I mean, the, I say, yeah. the thing about Uber is, right, it's on your smartphone, but like, which is the smart thing because, you know, Yellow Cab should have developed an app like this five years ago and then they would have had this market, maybe. I mean, it's not like cool, right? Then what's mm. the difference? It's just not cool. I mean, and there are business model differences. Um, and in that regard, I actually would prefer to take a taxi than an Uber because of the business model. Um, but sometimes, like, I, I had to fly into Houston or something for a, a show a couple of months ago, and I, I had this, no, it was Dallas, and I had this great conversation with the guy who was driving, 
you know, because he was an uh, older guy. And I was like, so how'd you get into this? And and we talked, you know, the, the entire 25 minute drive into downtown. Um, and, and it was a great, you know, because the Dallas airport is way the heck out there. Yeah. And it was a great conversation that I would never would have had with a taxi driver because that's, you know, you don't not that you don't want to talk to your taxi driver, but typically there's like a big, huge piece of, you know, acetate yeah. or, or you know, plexiglass or something there. And, uh, you know, it, it's a, a different environment. So I don't know. I've, I've had good conversations with like in, in D.C. especially I've had yeah. great conversations with people who are Uber drivers who are you know, students and temps on the hill and this guy was from Somalia one time and they don't make you take car seats too if you have young kids don't say anything to the taxi <laughs> I had my 8 year old with me and he was like you have a high seat and I was like uh, she can sit on my uh, my backpack and he was like alright that'll work <laughs> so how was naps uh, yeah so yeah, it was good like I was saying it's um, it's reinvigorating uh, you know to go and you know hear what other people are working on you know kind of their um, scholarly work, their research, um, you know, talk to people about yours, get some feedback on yours. I presented, um, on some of my research and yeah, it's just kind of good. I don't know. I just feel like these things are kind of reinvigorating where you're like, okay, yeah, this is just kind of a little boost in the arm sometimes when you, you know, you can like get bogged down in something and not really kind of excited about it. And I think that as much as anything, these conferences give us that, um, and then a chance to like catch up with friends. So, you know, a friend of the show, Carrie Schroeder, been on here before her and I had lunch, you know, you know, she's just fantastic. So, you know, that's conferences are as good for that as for anything else, I think. Yeah. And, and I love that, that she was tweeting and you were tweeting and a couple of other people that, you know, yeah. And then, um, lots and of then people. Uh, it was great. John Penniman did the, uh, like game of tweets thing, like kind of, you know, yeah. leaderboard type thing, and Carrie blew everybody out of the water, which is not surprising. <laughs> but so that was cool. You know, we done last year too. But uh, well, I was just kind of thinking, like, oh my gosh, she's everywhere at the show and, or this event, this conference, and and it feels like, uh, you know, I'm getting a kind of a good dose of of you know people who are putting new thoughts forward just from her tweets, which is right kind of magical. Yeah, I mean that's great. So you know, a lot of people are always like, hey, I'm glad you're doing this, so I can follow along, and I because I couldn't be there. Um, so there's that, but then there's also the conversation you get to have with other people that are there, um, you know, during the conference, right? Uh, other people say, yeah, I, I, you know, I heard that too, or I also had this question, or, you know, these kind of conversations that kind of organically come out of that. Um, so I don't know. I don't know how you can not have a Twitter account during a conference. And I mean, yeah, I kind of don't know helps. how you can not have one in general, but particularly during a conference, like there's just so much good stuff going on, stuff to talk about. Um, and I'm excited for when we can start having, you know, handles, uh, usernames, I mean, and um, like photos not take away from our character limit, which I think right. is a really great compromise, right? Nobody wants a 10,000 character limit, you know, 10,000 character limit for Twitter, but taking usernames and photos, you know, out of the character limit, um, just makes sense for conversation, right? And that was the main uh, yeah, thing. You get more than one other person in a conversation on Twitter, and eighty percent of your um, character limit is taken up by usernames that you're tagging. So, uh, yeah. so I think that's going to help with conferences a lot too. So, uh, it's interesting that you know because it, it in two thousand eight we were all talking about using Twitter conferences, and some of us were, and 
it was good. And now, you know, eight years later, we're all, you know, or some of us are still doing that and use it as a way to touch base or, or figure out where, you know, where the, the, the happening uh, talk or, or, or seminar or whatever's going on. Um, I just wonder, like, what's, what's the next evolution of that? You know, like, uh, it's not kind of the live blogging thing or I don't, I don't think it's going to be video because, you know, no one, especially Periscope at an kind of came conference. and went, didn't it? Yeah, no one wants to hold up their phone and, and right. periscope someone talking. Um, you know, and there's no such like Google Glass kind of mainstream <laughs> product right. that's kind of scratched that itch either. So it, it seems like text really is the way to do it. Um, and the live stream nature of Twitter kind of lends to that. Because, uh, you know, it, I, I follow you and Carrie and people like that on, on Facebook, and there was really no. No, talk of even, it. No, I don't even touch Facebook for conferences. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, it's just a completely um, different platform, completely different audience. Yeah, you know. So, so you and I were talking about this the other day, right? Um, with uh, Naki, you know that uh, that product that we were talking about, um, and that was called. You there's like a thing you can put on your desk, like underneath the surface or on a wall, and you know, like. Um, program it so like two taps would turn your tv on and three taps would turn your lights off or whatever it is you know um you can program all this stuff and it's kind of like is this going to make it is it not i'm not sure but it makes sense to me because there's a lot of um instances where voice doesn't work right so like when you're in a conference you know listening to somebody give a paper um you can't like talk into your phone like hey here's what's going on right you know everybody I guess thinks like voice is going to be it. And then people on the other end don't necessarily always want to watch video with noise because maybe they're in a situation where they can't or just don't want to have, you know, audio. And so you're kind of seeing a little bit the rise of kind of silent videos for Facebook and Twitter. Um, And so, and that's the thing that like text gives you that it's kind of always given you. Right. Um, Right. So it, it, you know, it's on the one hand, yes, it's a, it's a new platform, kind of new media, whatever, but it's also, a rather old platform, right? Kind of in the way of books. So, so there are some kind of tech advancements that don't need that much improving upon. Well, so at at NAPS, and for those of you who don't know, and we haven't explained this, what, what does NAPS stand for? Tom? Oh, yeah, it's the North American Patristics Society. Because we do have some lay people in the audience. Yeah. Um, and Patristics is Patristics early. Is, I don't know. It's not a good name, but basically it's yeah. like, you know, church fathers. The problem with that is obviously the kind of, um, the masculinity of that, right? There are a lot of women that were important in, you know, early church history. Um, so yeah, I don't, I mean, there have been discussions off and on. I don't know how, if there's any official ones going on now, but you know, about name changes, uh, there was, my vote would be for one that, you know, been considered a while back the Society of Early Christian Studies. <laughs> That's just because of your right. dissertation. <laughs> that we could just, you know, <laughs> abbreviate as sex. <laughs> yes. Um, Love that. Yeah. So, at, 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 I mean, I'm thinking of NAPS, you know, patristics, kind of a traditional areas of study. People who go to this conference aren't going to be people who are necessarily stereotypically on the bleeding edge or something, you know, like this isn't web 3.0 or, right. or a, a, a conference on virtual reality or AI or something. So did you see a lot of devices or was it mostly pen and paper kind of note carrying? Mm. I mean, like, yeah, like would, it, would it have been weird paper. for someone to bring out like an iPhone and take notes or an iPad or something no, like that? I mean, to, like, 
I was doing that. Carrie was doing that. Like Andrew Jacobs was doing that. Like some people you could kind of like some people were doing that. Um, but, but there were, yeah, there's still a lot of pen and paper there. Um, which is, you know, interesting because too, like, oh, it's not so, bad. okay. So no, no, it's not bad. But like, so, you know, you think about you going to this hotel, like we always have these conferences in hotels and you go into meeting rooms and you sit down at a table and they have like water out there for everybody. And then they have like a pen and a, and then like a notepad for the hotel, you know, whatever the Hyatt Regency, um, <clears throat> just fine. But you know what? I, what I'd like to see is like, oh, here's a USB port, plug in your device. <laughs> you know, that's what I'd like to see. Um, so we're also kind of like pushing people toward um, taking notes in a way that's not easily shareable. Right. With yeah. Paper. I mean, and, and obviously you and I are big fans of pen and paper uh, for a number of reasons and a number of situations. But um, yeah, it is. I mean, yes, it is still a fairly traditional group kind of on the whole. Though, honestly, this group is, as far as the research is concerned, it's doing some really great cutting edge research. Um, True. I, yeah. And I think this group, kind of the late antiquity group, is the best group um, in all of kind of religion scholarship, the Religion Academy. Um, I mean, yes, it's where a lot of the people that I know are, but I just think they're like the best people. Like they're completely welcoming and accepting, you know, for the most part, um, a lot of fun to hang out with. So yeah. So well, it, it's not like the, the new Testament people who were trying to write the next great book to, you know, get on the Barnes and Noble shelf, right? <laughs> I'm not going to touch that one. <laughs> or they have blogs where you have to charge membership to read the whole post. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but, but, so the, the, there wasn't like a bloggers lounge at Naps. If there was, I did not hear about it. <laughs> but yeah, okay. I would assume there was. There was not. Yeah, because see, the conferences I go to, like, still going back to God, two thousand seven, two thousand eight, there was always like a you know bloggers lounge, and now that's evolved into like a a tech lounge or uh, you know refresh lounge or something like that. And there's always you know plugs for your iPhone and your iPad and your Windows device. You know any kind of plug you can think of and there are drinks and there are you know games and there's an xbox and you, you know, kind of chill yeah no 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 peace. nothing like that that would be too much like having fun <laughs> i think <laughs> can't have an xbox you know now. like what you need to do in your downtime is you're supposed to go browse the book exhibit <laughs> that's true so. that's actually a really good point about these conferences though because i mean that's that's a, a main uh, source of revenue, I imagine, for the NAPS people and and for the authors who are represented well, there. For the you know for the publishers, I I think they do pretty well at the conferences. This is why they go. Not not all conferences. Obviously, the national kind of annual meeting between the American Academy of Religion, the Society of Biblical Literature, every year in November, where you have ten thousand people or so there. Uh, that's obviously huge. Um, NAPS is a lot smaller group, um, but you know I would imagine that they do pretty well. And even if they don't sell that much there. You know, they get a lot of people that will buy it later, right? Because um, they saw it there. Like, oh, yeah, I had, you know, I wasn't familiar with that book. I'm going to put that on my listing, you know, get it after the conference with the conference discount or whatever. Um, so, yeah, there's that whole thing. And it's, I mean, it's a, hu- it's a huge deal at the AMS. Well, it should be. I mean, it's. At NAPS, it's, you know, at Sexor, you know, kind of regional conference like that. NAPS, smaller conference, it's not as, not as big of a deal. But the book exhibit was good and obviously had great titles. Um, that's the thing. I mean, as niche as we are now, unless you live in Chicago or New York or L.A., like, and or or you know, a major university town, 
you're not going to see those titles on the shelf, you know, in the, or, oh, or on Amazon or anything I, like that. Well, a lot of them you can find on Amazon. Um, yeah, but they're exorbitantly expensive. Yeah. Right? As so someone who get, tries to collect every book about Dury. So you get your, exactly. So you get the conference discount. I mean, that's... Yeah, right. Yeah, right. it's nice. And, and plus, Harrelson Press does academic books, so we, we you know, I make money from doing that so please go to those books and i, I will say this I, I was at a regional al um not AL, sblar um meeting in nashville when i was in seminary and i went with our friend keely yeah and uh i was i was we had a couple of minutes I, I went out to the book thing and it was like a small room and i was like oh seriology that's cool let me pick it up and i realized one of the articles in the book was written by ben foster who was one of my sort of mentor you know, friends, whatever at, at Yale. And he footnoted me and I would have never known this if, if <laughs> nice. I had not seen that. And it was like a, you know, $120 book or something. Yeah. And I was like, here's take my money. And right. I just started throwing money at her cause I had a footnote <laughs> and a book about a seriology. So I, I still have that book on my shelf. And anytime someone says something bad about me, I just, you know, whip out the book right. and the footnote and say, I got footnoted by Ben Foster. Yeah. Take that. So that's, that's my um, highlight. It's all been downhill since then. Right. <laughs> But yeah, so um, that's interesting. I, I, uh, you know, because we, we've all, in the tech world, we've always said, well, once the web really develops and we have things like Second Life and virtual reality, you know, these in-person conferences where you have to spend $500 on an airplane ticket and you have to spend, you know, $500 on a hotel room and then food and lodging and prostitutes, no, not prostitutes, <laughs> or, you know, whatever. <laughs> whatever right. your and your blow. Drinks. Yeah. <laughs> right. Your cocaine, uh, all those things that you're that you're imbibing uh, there at the conference, um, that's expensive. So right. why wouldn't you stay home and watch the live stream and you know do the virtual conference? And then there were a couple of attempts at like virtual like marketing and tech conferences right. for a while there, and they were terrible. Um, so it, it's great to hear that that world's not dead because I think that is so important. Yeah, for, I mean, so it's it's interesting, right? There's there's kind of two sides to it. Uh, and particularly if you think about like the large national AARSBL meeting uh, from the employment perspective, right? People applying for jobs. Uh, a lot of um, institutions do interviews there, which in theory makes sense, right? Everybody's at this meeting. Let's do interviews where everybody's at the same, uh, you know, at the same place at the same time. The problem with that is for, you know, uh, contingent labor, um, for graduate students, people like that, um, they don't have, you know, a thousand bucks to shell out, you know, for a 20 minute interview or even for, you know, the hopes of shaking someone's hand in a reception, you know. Um, and so there's this kind of like, oh, this is just the, you know, it's the price to to play, right? This is the cost of doing business here as an academic. And there's that. But I also think it's a way of keeping certain people out. Uh, which you know, obviously, don't think is that great. Um, and a lot more places now are going to kind of initial round Skype interviews, which are good. But I do also agree that there's just it's just not the same as being in person, right? I mean, if I could if I could watch some of these paper presentations on my computer, I'd probably decide to watch some of them. But then I would get you know busy doing other stuff and you know miss half the paper because I'm watching on my computer and you know seeing other things, emails come in and all this stuff. Which can happen in person, but not quite the same. And then there's you don't get the kind of random chance encounters uh, virtually that you get in person, right? Having yeah, to talk exactly. to somebody, you know, at a reception that you hadn't met before, but that you know the person you were talking to knew, and so they came over, right? So all these things that happen in person that just don't happen virtually. Um, and you know, it's something I've thought about too for kind of on the business side. You know, things like go to meeting and all these services. 
yeah, they save money, but you know, what are they, what are you losing, right? What, what kind of collaborative creativity are you losing? But because you're like, well, we're going to save the money, which makes sense. Um, but you know, so we're going to plan an hour Skype meeting and then we're going to be done. Whereas if you fly out there, you have a couple meetings, last couple hours, you get a dinner, right? You kind of have all this, you know, things can flow much more naturally. Um, so, but it's expensive. Yeah. I mean, there's, you know, you have to weigh both of those and, you know, it's difficult because there are different concerns for different aspects of them. Yeah. Well, and, and one of the things is you have to look good, right? Right. So. That's, no, that's true too. <laughs> yeah. You know, you, you got to, I mean, I, I think about this anytime I travel, it's like, okay, what am I going to wear on the airplane? What am I going to wear at the conference or the show or the meeting? Um, are, you know, are we doing dinner? Are we going downtown? Do I need to bring a suit? Like, what you know blah 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 so what did you carry in terms of uh people like to hear our tech stuff so if you don't like this just skip ahead like three or four minutes um <laughs> or like you, you, minutes. <laughs> <laughs> you had your new bag your new satchel i did page carry bag. my new satchel and page briefcase um and it worked out wonderfully um yeah. i was disappointed because my this is ground tech dop kit of course got delivered like you know, a few hours after I landed in Chicago. So that was not very helpful. I could not carry that, but I, I do have it now. We can talk about that. But so I carried my new satchel and page back. Uh, I carried my mod as I do uh, everywhere. Um, and it performed just as admirably as it does every other day of my life. Um, Did anyone comment on the mod? You know, I don't know if anybody commented on the mod this time. I had a number of comments in November uh, in Atlanta at the yeah. meeting then. But um, and then I carried, I, I have a hard sided uh, Samsonite. Um, it's the same style, you know, it's, it's like the iteration of, um, the kind they used, you know, the monkey used to jump on in the, um, in the commercials, you know, the gorilla or whatever used to jump on. Um, <laughs> no, don't. So, yeah, it's like an old <laughs> thing. But anyway, that. so it's like, I mean, it, so it's got an F light. It's a, it's a number of years old. I got it actually back when I used to manage a Samsonite store when I used to sell luggage. Um, and obviously got a good discount on it because I worked there, but, um, it's hard-sided luggage that is hard plastic. You open it up and there's nothing in it. And that's exactly how I like it because I have all my Eagle Creek organization. You know, I do all my own organization when I put when I pack stuff. Um, so you, you do the cube things? Yeah, I do like folders and cubes and bags, things like that uh, for all of my stuff. And then, yeah, so that's what I, I mean, those are my two bags I carried, the Samsonite bag and then uh, my Satchel and Page briefcase. Um, and yeah, clothes, I mean, a lot of clothes, but you know me, right? I always take a lot of clothes. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, I, I put a lot of thought into it as well. Like, okay, how many jackets am I going to take? How many ties? Um, you know, am I going to take a hanging bag or am I not? And honestly, these days I don't prefer a hanging bag because I feel like my stuff gets just as wrinkled in a hanging bag as it does folded in one of my packers or maybe even more so. And I'm going to re-iron it once I get there anyway. So Right. Um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's all the stuff that I took. Uh, I took a new battery so pack that I got. Um, Jackery, are you familiar with Jackery? I, I hadn't heard of it, but I no, found it on Amazon cheap. I mean, it, you know, it's a, it's the size of like an external, you know, hard drive, like a small external hard drive now. So it's big as far as battery packs are concerned, but it holds a lot more juice. Um, and that performed admirably on the plane and during the conference, right? For live tweeting, you need battery, and that's one of the yeah. things. So carried that in the bag and plugged it up whenever I needed to. So. 
Yeah, for people who don't carry an external battery, if you work at a university, if you work in a business, if you work at home, you, you need to have an external battery. Um, so I, I have one called that, that I carry that's um, from a, a wire cutter suggestion, yeah. the Anker battery. It's like a black kind of a tubular thing. It's, I mean, it's not too big, but it, it fits great in my bag. But I also have an external battery that Google sent me um, last Christmas. And it's fantastic because <laughs> it's really slim. Uh, but it, it carries like half the charge of the Anker uh, and all that. So if I'm carrying like the iPad, I'll throw the Anker in the bag. And, and it does like three or four charges basically. So, you yeah. know, even if you're... yeah streaming video you're fine and i haven't figured out how many charges this has uh two usb ports um so you can charge yeah, two devices right. at once it's got a built-in led flashlight as well you can use on it i was wondering um, why do they have the flashlight on those things everyone have i've had like four or five now and they got <laughs> they battery the like we need to do something with we have the battery part. let's do something <laughs> with it yeah, flashlight. and it's always annoying because you hit it twice and all of a sudden it's like boom right. flashlight yeah, exactly. in the middle of the uh, airplane and you're like ah <laughs> oh, stop um, but yeah, I guess if your phone's dead, you don't have the little flashlight on your phone. I don't know, but uh, um, but anyway, so I mean, it you know that worked out worked out great. Um, yeah. So did you take your laptop? I did because I was um, I presented a paper and I did a little bit more work on it, which I could have done on my iPad, but it's just so much easier to do on my laptop, honestly. So uh, I did a little bit more work on the paper on my laptop, carried that in my bag. Um, yeah, but I, you know, I thought I'd consider just taking the iPad. It would have been considerably less to carry. But, um, yeah, I don't know. When I'm working on like a paper or you know something like that, I just feel like I I need a regular keyboard to type on. And I could have taken my wireless keyboard, but then if it's like iPad wireless keyboard, you know, you're just adding up. So why not just take the computer? So yeah, you got to get the iPad Pro with the the smart keyboard. Yeah, I know. It's changed my life. Maybe um, Harrelson Agency should give me one. <laughs> we'll think about that. No, it. I mean, this thing is. I really take it everywhere, and uh, I, I'm basically have abandoned all of my laptops and yeah. the MacBook and everything else because it's it's fantastic. Yeah. Uh, and I, I was going I was going to the store to buy a new laptop because I had to travel, and I thought, well, you know, good reason to buy a new laptop. And uh, <laughs> right, I'm gonna travel. I need a new computer. <laughs> Well, you know, um, and this thing won, uh, won me over. And the pencil with it, though, is, yeah. I, I know we've talked about this, but it's, it's so cool. So my daughters were playing with it this weekend, and now they all want an iPad Pro with the pencil. Right, but, of course. Yeah. yeah. Real quick, though, I did finally get my tech top kit in. Uh, yes. This is ground, so, and so regular listeners that. know that we're huge fans of leather products in general, but particularly, you know, also this is ground. They make great products. Um, and so they have a tech top kit that they sell. So it's a... You know, it's their take on a traditional, like, men's dop kit, you know, that you would, like, put your toiletries in, uh, but for tech. And they have three sizes. They have the mini, the regular, and the grande. And I got the regular. Um, it's uh, about six inches by nine inches and a two and a quarter inches tall. And they're all two and a quarter inches tall. And then they're just different dimensions other than that. So I got the regular because I wanted to be able to fit kind of a bunch of my cords in it and tech stuff. Um in particular, my extra power cord and brick for my MacBook Pro. So that when I throw my computer in my bag, I have a charger in there already. I don't need to reach behind my desk and unfurl the one that's you know back there, etc. Uh, and I got it in French gray. Uh, it was the color I got it in. And 
I like the. Yeah, see, th- this is the point that I started doubting your sanity when I got French gray and not the like regular toffee color that I have everything else in. Exactly, you gotta you gotta keep the the monotony. Yeah, but you know? okay. Like, so so my this is what you, you want your shit to match is like this kind of lightish brown toffee. Honestly, really beautiful, and you know particularly as it gets some patina on it, it looks great. But my satchel and page briefcase is a much darker, richer brown. So those are already different. So I was like, let's just change it up again and get another one. I mean, I wouldn't get black because I wouldn't think black would go well with those. Um, but I want the French gray, and it's it's a nice um gray color to it i like it i think it's i think it's going to patina well and it's got a fair amount of um it holds it's holding its shape really well so far and i think yeah that's that's the other thing i was worried by design because you know you're like packing stuff in there and it's kind of it's essentially like a box with a zipper on it yeah that's what i was going to say for people who don't know it's like it's like a smaller than a shoe box but yeah, it's kind of like a shoebox with a with a zipper. Yeah, so, so the top unzips, and you flip the top up, and on the top it has uh, five places to stick cords or whatever. Right now I've got a couple cords in there, um, a flash drive that I just needed to stick somewhere. It's kind of I haven't I don't know the last time I used a flash drive, but you know just in case. Um, so for the cord things are just sewn in. You just stick a cord through there. One uh, has a snap, so a little bit larger area. Some People will put like their Apple Watch there, kind of snap it in, so you don't have to try to stuff it through one of the uh, stretchy ones. And it has a flap that comes down from the top that covers a portion of the bottom uh, section of it. And the Mini doesn't have this, but the regular and the Grande both do have it. And it's got a zipper on it and fair amount of space in there too for kind of flat things. Right now, I've got a yeah, uh, I like that flap. That's good. Right now, I've got the um, a remote, you know, the Apple traditional Apple remote. In there, and in the bottom section, I have my battery pack, the Jackery battery pack. I've got uh, the brick and the cord for my MacBook Pro, and then the brick for my iPhone as well. Um, and then all in there zips up real nice, and then slides right down in my bag right beside my mod. Well, and for people that that don't, you know, use a MacBook, that cord is massive and it is it's, it's is way huge. bigger than you than i think it should be in 2016 but it is and that's why i was going to get the mini but i was like i don't think the mini will hold just that brick by itself in the cord let alone other stuff so i want the right yeah. and i'm definitely happy with the size i got the grande would have been too big for me i'm i'm confident and so this is the perfect size for for what i want to use it for and the bag that i have the satchel and page bag which i love just does not have a lot of internal organization which i'm completely fine with but that meant i need to add my own which just gives me a reason to buy more leather products right so which is why I, I'm the same way. I like bags that don't have internal organization, especially leather bags. But I have a big Timbuktu bag. Right. It's like a backpack. Yeah. You know, and there's no internal organization. And I love that because it's huge inside. And, I throw, you know, I've got a This Is Ground Riff that's kind of like my wallet right. that, you know, slides into the back of my jeans. And it's it's fantastic. And my wife also has the exact same uh, riff. Well, she has a, a, a brown, what's their, bomber leather. Yeah variety so i have the black one and i've got a black field notes and my black phone and it, you know it looks really kind of cool you know little jay-z there but yeah. back you know all black everything um which is terrible to take out of context but there you go <laughs> yeah, Whereas, good job come on sam <laughs> i'm appropriating that for my own whiteness um but i wear a black shirt every day so it's cool and my my wife um has the bomber brown and it's 
not not that it's aged poorly, but it looks like a bomber jacket that Indiana Jones might wear, you know, in Egypt while he's hanging onto the side of the tank. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, via his bag. Like, it looks really beat up, and it's only been about, a, what, six months, a year since she's had that thing? Huh, that's interesting. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and that's... And, that's really old and because of how well the mod in Toffee has aged so far, it was really hard for me to break out from that. But I also feel like, you know, sometimes it's good to stretch yourself. And so far, I'm happy with the French Grey. We'll see. I mean, we'll see how I like it over the next six months or so, how it kind of patinas. But I think it's going to patina well. Um, well, and that's so. you know that's something that you have to really I think you have to think about as a as a professional or you know whatever you're doing in life is you know how do the tools that you take along with you every day complement what you do and you know I, I my pen and my notebook and this riff and the way I put my credit cards in it and all the stuff I can put in this whole thing it's fantastic and every time I pull this out at a meeting you know pop it down and pull out the notebook people say wow what is that I'm like oh this is you know I, I, this is ground riff. And, you know, I, I've had people say, oh, so you don't like carry a wallet? I'm like, no, you know, I slide my credit card for the business and my debit card in there and yeah. my driver's license and three or four uh, business cards. And I'm good to go for a couple of days of work. Right. <laughs> you, know? Um, you know, and I can carry the iPad separately. That's, that's kind of the hard thing, like having the riff over the, the mod. Right. You know, because I, I tried the mod and it, it was just too big because I, I wanted the, the 9.7 iPad thing and I don't need to carry the iPad all the time but when I do you know I throw it in my bag that I carry and it, it's fantastic so anyway it's uh, yeah so that's the uh, this is the tech top kit we'll drop a link down there if you're interested in seeing what it looks like and everything um, and if, if you use that yourself. link which you should uh, it will help Thomas uh, potentially yeah potentially to to and it gets you uh, 10 bucks off if you order something, so that's always nice. <laughs> it's called affiliate marketing, and we don't ask for money for the show, but if you want to support the show, the best way in the world to support the show is by using Thomas's This Is Grand. Right, so I can buy that's more really leather products. <laughs> so Thomas can tell us all about his leather products. Yeah, yeah I will we, you know, so Someone said, <laughs> why don't we uh, change the name of the show to, what was it? Uh, I forgot what they called it. Thomas's carry or something like that instead of everyday yeah. carry. It's like Thomas's daily carry. Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what, what kind of water bottle? Last last question about this. What kind of uh, water bottle do you? I carry you a, a clean canteen. Um, yeah, me too. Me too. Good. Yeah, you know, triple insulated clean canteen. Yep. I just bought. I haven't got it yet, but I did just. Uh, my wife and I just bought um, corksicle tumblers. So we're, oh. we're big fans of corksicle. We can talk about this on another show. Really interesting kind of marketing thing they did. I don't think we've talked about it here on the show, but we'll talk about that another show. But, um, but so we just bought some corksicle tumblers that we're excited about. Um, you know, it's, it's kind of like the Yeti tumbler, but I don't, I don't really want the Yeti tumbler because everybody has a Yeti tumbler, and I think the corksicle tumbler actually performs a little better than the Yeti one does anyway. Uh, yeah, my my parents bought my wife and I the Yeti tumblers, and <laughs> they're great. I mean, I, I like it, and they are really good. But the lid is part of is part of the problem like i think it gets really dirty lid is better and it like actually closes and and things like put, that. put a link in the show notes i can't i can't find the google uh on that all right yeah um but so i'm excited so, about that to replace because 
Once I moved so to big, Florida, yeah, like everybody started, like everybody uses Tervises here because it's so hot and you want your drink to stay cold for more than two minutes. Yeah. Um, and so been using Tervises a lot, but you know, they're not that like classy really. And so the tumblers are, and so it's like, I'm going to get a corksicle tumbler, but no, my kind of everyday carry lately has been my clean canteen, uh, water bottle, you know, 21 ounce or whatever it is. Okay. So you have the 21. So I had to, hold on. Oh, Velcro it out here. I have the forty, yeah, forty ounce, like the big, right, huge yeah. one. But it fits into my tactical bag with my "Don't Tread on Me" right <laughs> flag on it. Um, and I had a friend who was like, because he was admiring my bag, and and it's actually a concealed carry bag, but I, I keep an external battery pack in the in the concealed carry pocket. And he was saying, well, is this bag made for this water bottle? Because it fits so well. And I was like, no, that's, you know, it's kind of the beauty of the bag. It's, it's right. whatever. So uh, I don't think I could ever dump this bag because I love this bottle. And I, I'm, I'm, it's a stainless steel bottle. So it's going to outlast me. Right. Well, the thing about the clean canteen bottle is because it's triple insulated, um, it's like vacuum sealed. Uh, it doesn't sweat which is really important for me when I'm dropping it down in a bag with tech gear and books and things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't want a water bottle that sweats. Uh, and the 21 ounce size works really well for me because it's it's rather thin and it slides down into these little holes that you can't put much else in in a bag, right? It just slides in those areas perfectly. So, uh, I mean, carried it while I was flying, you know, em- empty, of course, like you can't take liquid in. But then once you're in the airport, you can fill it up at a water fountain and not spend 350 on a bottle of water because you have it but- there. So. I had a friend who had this happen once with a, a stainless steel bottle. He filled it up all the way and like put the uh, put the cap on, got on the airplane, and it actually like swelled. Oh, really? Because of the air pressure? Yeah. And I was like, no. He's like, no, seriously, and uh, started leaking because the the steel was actually you know swelling because oh. of the uh, air pressure, which I, I think is total. But was it? Yes. But yeah. But would it have been like a double or triple insulated one? I'm not sure. I don't know. Sealed. See, mine, mine's not insulated. I have the just the plain. Just the jam. actual like metal one. Yeah, we've got some of those too, and they're nice. But I just I don't like that they sweat. So honestly, what I use those for? Yeah. Is yeah. um to carry liquor. Like oh, I put liquor in there. Like it's room temperature anyway. <laughs> I've never done that, Thomas. Yeah. What are you talking about? <laughs> so. But the reason I like this one is I keep, I keep a nesting cup. Yeah, like a, a stainless steel nesting cup or like a, a camp cup uh, at the bottom of mine. So like ne- my bottle nests into it, and then I can put both of those into the little sleeve yeah. of my bag. Yeah, and uh, wherever I am, it's like, oh, well, you know, if, if I get stuck and the zombies start coming, I can heat up my liquor or coffee or <laughs> right, yeah, tea or whatever. Your breakfast bourbon, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> show title. All right. So where else do we want to go? I don't. I don't know. That's. Uh, I know. We're kind of at a weird spot here. Yeah, I think so. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Okay. So there's. There's one more thing that I think is worth is really worth talking about. We'll hit it for a few minutes, and then we'll leave a lot of this other stuff for later. Um, and that's all the stuff that's going on at Baylor, and the response yeah. to that. So really significantly shifting gears here. But um, I think that's worth worth talking about. So I don't know if you want to kind of lay that out for us. A little bit, um, and then we'll just oh, gosh. spend a few minutes on it. I don't know. I mean, there's a lot there, but yeah. So uh, um, last week, I think it kind of broke yeah. that that Kenneth Starr was being admonished or replaced the, the or president of Baylor. President of Baylor, Ken Starr, who you may know if you're familiar with '90s politics, right? Uh, so Ken Starr w- was being uh, 
uh, punished for his his role in, in being duplicitous and the cover-up of a number of female students who have come forward to the university administration and uh, saying and, and having proof of you know being sexually assaulted. Um, and Baylor is a very unique institution because Baylor is a private school that's Baptist in nature, and they call themselves, you know, the what, what is it, the Jerusalem on the um, Brazos, I think it's the name of the, re- the river there. Uh, and it, it's always been kind of seen as this institution of, of American Baptist education. So it, it's not kind of far right, and it wasn't necessarily far left. It was, you know, always kind of this moderate place. Right. And it's where good Baptists went to, you know, get good education. Uh, kind of like a Wake Forest or Vanderbilt uh, in some ways. And Baylor in, what, 2010 through 2012 started talking to Division One units who were reforming into what became the Big 12 and trying to join up with that and, and really push forward this vision of Baylor becoming a player on the the the, <laughs> the stage of, of athletic excellence just like they were in the – stage of religious teaching and, and uh, academic excellence, you know, debatable. Um, <laughs> sorry. So the Baylor Bears became a very big presence in uh, football and, and basketball, and they did well in the tournament this year. And I think they've won two out of four or something, like Big 12 championships in football, and they've always been in the in the top 10 since the Big 12 formed after the, was it the Big 10 or, some, or the whatever it was collapsed. Uh, the other conference that they evolved out of. Yeah, I don't know. There's been so much moving around. Yeah, yeah. So, th- so in a nutshell, Baylor kind of went from being this school that people knew about, kind of a, a you know moderate Baptist, you know larger university that's still private, into being a, a national name because of sports. So a lot of the players who, uh, or, or a lot of the allegations that came out were against. You know, players on some of the, the athletic teams, but not only that, uh, you know, there are also allegations against people who weren't involved in sports. And it, it sounds as if, we don't know, but it sounds as if upper administration, like the president, Ken Starr, knew about these uh, allegations or, you know, the, the proof and everything else and, and basically turned a blind eye and, and tried to do a whole scenario of cover up. Right. Uh, yeah. So that's kind of the, the general nutshell thing from what I understand. And, and there's a lot of backlash now, especially in the Baptist world um, against Baylor. And, and people who I know and you know, Thomas, and, and we're all friends with who, who have you know gone through Baylor. I've, I've got family members who went to Baylor. Um, and it's kind of this hand wringing moment when they're saying, oh, gosh, you know, we we all contributed to this because we pool for the Baylor Bears and we wanted them to, to do well, uh, you know, on the football field or in the basketball court. And now we're seeing some of the response or the, the situations that occurred because of that, but not only because of that, but because of that, that culture of, of competition or whatever. Um, so it's a really trying time for the university. Um, and, and the question becomes, you know, where was the failure? Was it, was it with Ken Starr? Was it with, uh, you know, the football coach, was it with this person or that person? And how could an institution that is religious and, and Baptist in nature um, allow for, for this to happen? Or, you know, how can this happen at Baylor? Is right. kind of the, 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 the point that I've been feeling. So, yeah. There's, there's a great piece this morning right, uh, in yeah. Baptist News Global yeah, by uh, Kendall 
uh, Ray Rodhouse, who's uh, she's in Texas, and she's the pastor at I forgot where she is. My wife is going to kill me. Uh, she's a pastor at Lakeshore Baptist in Waco, Texas, which is where Baylor is located. And she also wrote a book called Preacher Breath uh, by Smith and Hell was uh, last year. And she's an amazing person, an amazing pastor, amazing uh, voice, I think, in, in kind of the moderate to, I would say, progressive uh, brand of, of Texas and, and Southeastern Baptist life. Um, she writes great stuff on BNG and on her own blog and on Facebook and all, all sorts of places. Uh, but but she kind of pointed out this morning that, you know, perhaps one of the, the institutional failures in all of this is that there is such a, a lack of female leadership in Baptist life, whether it's the SBC or the American Baptist Church or the Alliance or even the Cooperative Baptist Fellowship, which was established as kind of a, a safe haven for, for churches that were looking to ordain and, and sustain uh, women ministers. And, and she points out that only like 5% of CBF churches nationwide actually have female leadership or female pastors. Right, which is just crazy. Crazy. 30 years later, only 5%. Well, and, and and that was kind of the defining issue. <laughs> right, exactly. That's the thing is when you think about that it was like one of the major defining issues for CBF and it is one of their major talking points now, right, of we support women in ministry. Then when you see a number like this, like it's kind of like we know anecdotally it's bad. But when you see a number like this and it's only 5% of churches in a denomination that, you know, uses a lot of hot air to say they support women in ministry. Like they don't have a lot to show for it. And I'm not saying that like people at CBF don't actually support women in ministry, but um, like something's got to change. It's clearly not working. Right. Because I mean, and we, we know from everywhere else that the, the more women you have in places of leadership, the um, better it makes some of these other issues. Right. Mainly because like, Hey, People, they'll have somebody to listen to, right? Someone will listen to them, will listen to another woman when she says, hey, this happened to me. Whereas for whatever reason, so many men, particularly men in positions of leadership, just don't ever believe a woman. Um, I think especially men from that older generation of, yeah, of right, exactly. baby boomers who grew up with women in the kitchen. Yeah. I feel that way. Right. Um, so, you know, yeah, I think I think our piece was really good and she did a good job um, kind of laying out uh, some of the larger issues, right? But also kind of saying, hate to say I told you so, but I told you so. And like, this is just wasn't really surprising. So your question of like, how can this happen at Baylor? It's like, maybe for a split second, you're surprised, but then you're not because you realize, well, I mean, right? It happened in the Catholic church. We've been hearing about this in Baptist churches for the past couple of years, kind of all over the country, right? I mean, more and more you see in, in institutions with male-dominated leadership, um, particularly, you know, religious institutions um, have a particular bad rap lately. Um, these kind of things happen, and they tend to try to be covered up. Um, so, yeah, it is kind of hard to be surprised that this happens and that this happens at an institution that says one thing and then does another, right? We're kind of used to that by now. Yeah. Well, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but my wife, uh, Mariana, blogged about this a little bit. And um, on her post, she said, recently I received yet another another rejection from a pastor search committee because she's 
you know, currently kind of figuring out what's next for her ministry. Um, while I have become accustomed to these responses or no, or no responses from submitting my resume to pastor search committees claiming to be supportive of, of women in ministry in my three years of ministry, there was something different about this one. In the short response, there was the line, your qualifications do not meet our needs at this time. I understand I'm just beginning in ministry, even though she's served for a long time at a church as a senior pastor, and that my experiences don't match some church's needs, but this pastor search committee didn't cite my experiences or lack of. Uh, they cited my qualifications. Not having the right qualifications, I'm, I'm thinking she's saying it felt like to her is, is code language for not being equipped or you know, not being a man right. <laughs> in right. some ways. Right, equipped, and, figuratively, right. Yeah, and, and yeah. she read that. She's you know, and and she doesn't share all these with me, uh, if any. And and she shared this one with me just orally and said, "Am I reading this the wrong way? Like this feels really terrible, you know." And and it was it was from a, a more rural conservative area, uh, uh, which I won't go into. But um, you know, my immediate response is, "Well, duh, just <laughs> walk away from that. Don't worry about that." Um, but it had been a place where, you know, she thought, okay, well, they're actively seeking, so they say, you know, some some uh, different kind of voice, and it, it turns out they've gone with a sixty-year-old white guy. Right. So it 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 feels, you know, to her and, and to a lot of, I guess, you know, female pastors who get these letters, and as much as I can say that as a white man who's you know whatever, um, I'm not trying to mansplain this, but. You know, just seeing what she's going through with, with that process and some of the the language and the letters and, and the oh well oh so you're only you're only thirty one and you're a female well yeah um, right come back go 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 get your uh, m m uh, m and go go get your doctorate of, of you know ministry and then we can talk about it. Um, I, I think there's kind of an institutional thing there, whether you're CBF or whether you're SBC. Yeah, and uh, I'm not sure what's going to change that. Well, I mean, I don't know. Like, yeah, Baylor, you know, Baylor here is just uh, one example, right, of this larger systemic issue. Um, and I mean, I don't know how you fix it, but I certainly think you don't fix it by just continuing to say, "Hey, we support women in ministry," um, without like doing more. You just have to do more. I mean, I don't know. So, I mean, these are these are issues. These are not just issues there. I mean, they're issues in the academy as well. I mean, people were dealing with that. Um, yeah, I, I won't say anything more than that. But I mean, we, we've all heard stories, right? I and mean, it's like you, right. like everybody knows somebody. And then for I think for most guys, maybe not everybody, probably like a lot of guys don't. But most guys just kind of assume like this doesn't happen because they don't do it, and they don't see it happening. And that's by design, right? Guys that are doing this type of stuff are generally not doing it in front of other guys. Well, and women are so much more sensitive than guys, Thomas, and they take everything <laughs> personally. You know, so I'm just saying you're not equipped to do this. It's, it's, I'm not saying you don't have a penis. I'm saying, you, you know, you still have the right equipment, equipment to play the game. And if you did, you know, maybe we could talk to you. And that's that's the damn thing that makes me frustrated about this. And not, not the Baylor issue. I mean, they're good lord. But that issue of, like the CBF, particularly for me, if Mariana were a 31-year-old male, she'd have 15 jobs at her feet. Yeah. And I'm using feet in the proverbial sense, as in Ruth. Right, as in uncovering her feet, yeah. 
Yeah. I mean, I yeah, I don't know. I agree. It's fascinating. Got a long way to go. It's interesting. We have a long way to go. <laughs> so it's interesting. It's very interesting. It's interesting. So, um, yeah, if you uh, if you can help us solve this problem, <laughs> then uh, yeah, write in. Let us. Uh, yeah, please please write to uh, the uh, CBF headquarters, one 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 Conservative Way, Decatur, Georgia. <laughs> Care of Susie Painter. Yeah. Great. Um, all right, we're gonna leave it there. So um, leave you on a down <laughs> note. We used to do that like every show. That was fun. Well, this is depressing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, but we're going to do that again today. So anyway, um, thanks for uh, listening, for coming back. Took last week off because of conference travels and things like that. Um, but we are back, and um, we love hearing from you, and particularly when we get to hang out with you in person. Uh, as long as you're not a creeper, like just make sure we know you're not a creeper, and we'll hang out. Yeah, don't be creepy. So, um, but yeah, you know, keep it coming. Keep telling us uh, that you're listening, that you're out there, so that we can continue to try to realize that we're not just speaking into the abyss. Uh, we like when the abyss talks back. So, uh, talk back to us on Twitter. <laughs> I'm at Thomas Whitley. Sam is at Sam Harrelson. You can always find more great podcasts at Thinking.fm.